Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 165. On Now You Know. Brought to you, as always, by our wonderful Patreon patrons. Hey, join us, patrons, for our live stream tomorrow. And as Amazon Associates, we earn from qualifying purchases. The link is down below. We're also brought to you by EcoWare.us. Uh, we have sweatshirts, t-shirts, backpacks, pillows, all completely carbon offset, and we plant a tree for every order, so it is carbon negative. This is a, this yeah, is a new design. This is the long sleeve. You're seeing the Tesla motor patent here. I got to borrow uh, your your Tesla Isn't sweatshirt it cozy? today. The inside material here. You're not is... going to give that back, are you? I, I can, might wear it home. I think you're going to wear it home. Yeah. And we'll be at Fully Charged Live in Austin, Texas on February 1st and 2nd. Jesse and I will be live on stage with Robert Llewellyn. You can find a discount ticket code uh, down in the description below. It's NYK2019 for 15% off tickets. All right, well, let's get into some news. Yeah. How about this? According to the configurator on Tesla's website, the range of the Model 3 dual motor long range just increased a few miles to 322 miles. And the price has gone up $500. The range on the Model S long range has been increased to 373 miles, up from 370. Yeah, and the Model X long range is up to 328 miles. And the Model X has also gotten some new front seats. Supposedly, this gives the second row some more space. They have seat pockets now instead of those like monolithic black plastic things that they had before. Model X's being built now have the new seats. So you ready for some top schmear? Yeah, a lot of controversy on this latest Top Gear episode uh, where they apparently pit a Model S and a Porsche Taycan Turbo S uh, to the test in a head-to-head -head race, but apparently their figures did not hold up to scrutiny. What are you talking about? Well, when this first came out, I think that the consensus with Tesla people, people who are in the know about Tesla and the Raven and the performance of, of Model S as a drag racer, which isn't too many people, their consensus was that something felt a little fishy. So Top Gear claimed that the Taycan Turbo S got a 060 here, you can see. But I guess the most important figure here is the quarter mile figure, which shows that the according to Top Gear, the Taycan beat the Tesla by about four tenths of a second. And this had a lot of people who are in the know about really pushing their uh, acceleration on the Model S into saying that's that's not right because the Model S should have figures that are roughly four tenths of a second faster than that. So according to Drag Times, which is a YouTube channel that does tons of drag racings with uh, Teslas and other cars, uh, they consistently get quarter mile times on the Model S of 10.6 seconds right in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So they were really shocked when they saw that Top Gear couldn't seem to get the car to go that fast. So with further inspection, Drag Times conjectured that the Model S seemed to be not in the right mode. Now, what mode should it have been in? So this is something that I don't know and you don't know because we don't have a ludicrous Model S uh, with the Ludicrous Plus package. Basically, you put it into Ludicrous Plus. And then to get it into an even higher level of crazy performance, you hold down on the Ludicrous Plus button, a Starfield image uh, kind of whizzes past you, and then it asks you if you want your mommy because it's going to be fast. Then you have to say, I, I accept, I understand that this will <laughs> uh, accelerate the wear and tear on my car. 
And, and then it takes about 15 minutes to warm up your battery. Right. And there's a bunch of different settings that change on the front binnacle. It shows you your battery temperature. It tells you uh, lots of different information about some of your motors. And so we didn't see that in the footage from Top Gear. And Elon concurred. He said drag race times analysis is correct. Also, there's a software upgrade for Model S coming out that increases peak power by 50 horsepower. So Model S should beat Porsche Taycan Turbo S by a wider margin in zero to 60 and quarter mile races. So wait a minute. So even regardless of what Top Gear found, Elon's saying that there's a new upgrade coming soon that's gonna give you 50 more horsepower? Right. And I think that what he's saying is that that's going to be an over the air update, meaning that all Model S's of a certain, you know, time of manufacture will get it. Now, Top Gear admits that it used a Model S result from a previous race. So after this, all this controversy came out, they said, these were numbers we recorded in a Model S on a previous occasion. We ran them because these are the best figures we've achieved in a Model S to date. So we know that's what the car is capable of. And just to be clear, the Tesla was in ludicrous plus mode, the battery was preconditioned, and both cars had around 85% charge before the first run. I guess one of the big points here is that if this was from an earlier race against a Mercedes, uh, was it even a Raven Model S that they had raced at that time? Exactly. Because basically their whole thesis of their video is uh, you could get the top of the line Model S today, or you could get the top of the line Porsche Taycan Turbo S with all the bells and whistles, and right. which one is going to get you the best. If you get a Raven Model S today, it will be faster than the car that they had tested previously and, with, the, with the Mercedes. And not only that, Elon went on to say that putting Model S in range mode is the opposite of launch mode as it minimizes performance in favor of range. Show should be called low gear. Now, what is he talking about? So apparently the car that they tested in the shot that you can see was in range mode. Now, range mode is something that you do in order to extend the range of your car. So it obviously reduces the amount of power that it gives to some of the motors. So basically this was an unfair test that Top Gear made, put out onto into the world without telling anyone that they had the car in range mode. It wasn't in ludicrous plus with the, I want my mommy of, uh, you know, I accept my death kind of uh, super ludicrous plus uncorked, whatever you want to call it mode. And even after you see the Taycan beat the Model S, they use numbers that weren't from that race. But, you know, putting that aside, because I think most people don't really care that much about whether or not you could beat one car or the other by four tenths of a second. Uh, in, in a perfect drag race right. with perfect conditions where you had 15 e minutes to preheat your car. Exactly. If you're buying the Porsche, one thing they kept ignoring in this review was that you don't get autopilot. I mean, that's just something the car can't do. Right. Also, the car can't fit as much stuff. It has a lousy little trunk. It has a tiny little trunk. It they, has they did, not much room in the rear seat. Well, they did talk about that in their review of the of the time. But I mean they kind of just glossed over that for the fact that it's a driver's car and it just right. feels so good on the road. Not talking about autopilot right. is a severe like excuse me. Or safety. Right. They didn't mention safety at all. I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, Top Gear, it's not all about going fast. Cars are about getting you from one place to another safely and reliably. And especially when they were comparing the price of a Model S fully kitted out with the Taycan 
not base package right, exactly and they were doing the british version of the model s which meant that you had included you know tariffs from an imported model s from america so it's not exactly comparing apples to apples i know that it does depend on which region you are so for people in england it is a fair-ish comparison on price although mm. if you want to get a top of the line uh tycon as we talked about before it's it's well over 200 grand. So I was intrigued by this story, Jesse. We're gonna be talking to Nathan Carpenter who is working on an interesting project. Nathan, what are you working on now in Rhode Island? Uh, so we're trying to turn Rhode Island into the first state to be run exclusively on renewable energy. Obviously, Rhode Island is the smallest state, uh, but we are also the second most densely settled state. We have 400 miles of coastline. And, um, you know, if that wasn't the perfect formula already, uh, we only produce one to 4% of our overall energy um, needs within our state. Uh, so what a better way to transfer over to um, um, all renewable energy than uh, right here in Rhode Island. Wow, and, and how are you going to do this? So uh, what we wanna do is create a public or quasi-public agency and use the profits from the project in order to pay for it uh, and give annual dividends back to the citizens of Rhode Island. So, um, you know, you see a little bit of pushback from people that are a little more fiscally conservative uh, when it comes to how you pay for the project. Obviously that's uh, completely alleviated when you have a public or quasi-public agency. Uh, and we're also gonna be incentivizing people to uh, make this switch through dividends. Uh, dividends have been given out for about 30 years in Alaska. Um, and, and in 2015, while oil prices were high, every citizen was given uh, $2,000 back. So a uh, family of four was given uh, eight grand. Uh, so while you know we're looking at this as a um, uh, uh, way to combat global warming with the urgency that it deserves. Uh, we also um, see this as, a, as being a sound business plan uh, for the people up on uh, Smith Hill. So you're saying that even if I don't care about climate change, uh, this plan is still going to put money back in my pocket? Correct. Correct. Yeah, I've actually pitched this to Trump supporters. Um, I haven't talked about uh, the climate crisis with them, but I mentioned, uh, you know, clean air, um, uh, you know, thousands of jobs that couldn't be exported, a stronger local economy, and uh, they love it. You know, this could really bring prosperity back to um, our state. Uh, you know, one that is uh, always the first one into a recession and the last one out of it. Um, we're, we're always in need of money. We have pension shortfalls, you know, our education system is crumbling, um, and we need money. And, you know, by doing something like this, we um, significantly, um, you know, soften the blow. What does it mean that Rhode Island only makes a small amount of its own energy? So uh, every year we export $3 billion to supply us with the energy that we need. Um, so, you know, by switching over to being uh, self-sufficient through renewable energy, we could have a new revenue stream, uh, you know, of, of three to six billion dollars, depending on how much we can actually produce. Now, if people want to learn more or help, uh, where can they go to find out more information? Uh, so if you go to www.riprogressivedems.com, uh, we're trying to make our final payment to the engineers that are citing uh, Cranston for wind, solar, and tidal energy uh, in hopes of showing proof of concept before we move on to phase two, which is citing the rest of the state. Well, thank you. Th this might start waves across the country. Mm -hmm. That's our hope. Uh, we were the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution, and uh, my question is why can't we be uh, the birthplace of the Energy Revolution as well? Thank you so much, Nathan, for telling us about that. If you are in the Rhode Island area on November 6th at 7 p.m. at Buttonwoods Brewery in Cranston, Rhode Island, they'll be presenting their blueprint for renewable energy utility. So Murray Energy Holdings Company is the largest private coal company in the U.S. And guess what they've done, Jess? Uh, have they opened a new theme park? A coal theme park. You get coal cotton candy. And you get, um, you can go on a haunted coal mine ride. Yeah, that sounds fun. 
Nope. They have filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in the Columbus, Ohio, U.S. Bankruptcy Court to restructure more than $2.7 billion of debt. Lenders will be providing the company with $350 million to keep the operations going during the restructuring. Now, Robert Murray founded the company in 1988 and donated $1,000,000 to PACs backing Trump in the 2016 election. Robert Murray is a climate change denier, called Tesla a fraud for receiving subsidies without turning profit. Elon Musk said that the real fraud going on is denial of climate science, and he suggested that Murray's own company was profiting from subsidies and that they should both try and compete without any. Coal is responsible for over 800,000 premature deaths per year globally and many millions more serious and minor illnesses. Coal causes 44% of global carbon dioxide emissions. I don't feel too bad about it. I Right. And for the people who were working in the coal mines, I hope that they get jobs that don't involve going down into a coal mine anymore. So in its latest 10Q SEC filing, Tesla confirmed that it spent $96 million to acquire Highbar and DeepScale. So they spent $80 million in cash, and then they said on September 16th, 2019, we issued an aggregate of 67,526 shares of restricted common stock to 13 former shareholders of an acquired subsidy. That stock, by the way, is worth over $22 million. Compare this to the $207 million they spent on Maxwell Technologies. Mm. Seems like pretty cool investment. This is very smart. I mean, you might be thinking like $80 million. That is a ton of money. And it is. Um, but compared to Tesla, it's not that big an investment for getting some really, really uh, elite people um, on board at the company to work on some really interesting things. Uh, you know, for high bar, that's obviously battery manufacturing. And for deep scale, that's uh, AI technology. We talked about this on a Tesla Time News uh, some weeks back, basically uh, the high bar and the deep scale acquisitions, uh, both very smart. So Trelon donates a million trees. Wait, uh, you mean Elon? Oh no, he changed his Twitter handle to Trelon. Yeah, so you remember a week ago we talked about how Mr. Beast challenged everyone, including 600 YouTubers, to get their viewers out there to donate money to plant trees. And uh, well, they tweeted to Elon and here's what he said. He said, sounds cool. Where are the trees being planted and what kind of trees? So after Marquise Brownlee explained it, Elon said, okay, sounds legit. We'll donate 1 million trees. Now, remember, it's a bucket tree, so that's a million dollars. Yeah. Now, the cool thing is this led to other rich people, including the CEO of Shopify, to join in. So the CEO of Shopify, Toby Lutke, said that he would donate a million and one dollars to the effort. Um, and then Elon said, congrats. Shopify is great, by the way. Nice work. There we go. Uh, peer pressure among <laughs> billionaires. Among billionaires. That's uh, <laughs> great. One way we can solve that problem. So going to some positive news to some very, very negative news. Yeah, a new study by Scott Culp and Ben Strauss in Nature Communications uses AI to recalculate sea level rise by 2050 and 2100, and its predictions are dire. So before this study came out, we had predictions of what sea level rise would look like across the world. And basically what this study has said is that those predictions were... Too rosy. Let's look at 2100 because a lot of the calculations we have today have baked in a lot of stuff. But if we're wrong even a little bit by 2100, it's going to be even worse. So if we look at the upper right corner of the chart, in 2100, NASA's model shows that under a low emissions model, 50 million people would be displaced by sea level rise. But unfortunately, this new model, this study that just came out, shows that it'd be probably more like 190 million people. Which is almost 
three to four times worse. If we have a higher emission scenario, so a worse, worser case, uh, then we're looking at probably numbers like 340 million people are going to be displaced. So that's just picture this for a moment. That is if the entire United States sunk. That is the number of people that would be displaced. Right. And I mean, to give you kind of a visual sense of this, um, the New York Times did a model where they showed uh, Vietnam and what it would look like in 2050 um, under the new model. So on the left is the old projection. Which didn't look good. Didn't look good. No, a lot of Vietnam is underwater. But on the right is the new model, which shows that there's pretty much just islands left. Right. All right, let's get back to some good news because mm -hmm. I know that's a hard one to take. Yeah. Um, Revel, which is the ride-sharing e-scooter service, which we reported on uh, before, they have brought 1,000 Neo e-scooters to Brooklyn and then they brought 400 scooters to Washington. Now they're planning on expanding with 1,000 more e-scooters to the capital of Texas, Austin. And you know why they are bringing them to Austin? I don't know why. It's because they have scooter-friendly state legislation. Ooh, what does that mean? Many places don't really want scooters, so it takes a lot. You have to have a special license to drive them, pretty much a motorcycle license, mm -hmm. which would mean that most people couldn't hop on a scooter. Whereas in Texas, they just passed legislation that means that a scooter, you can drive it with just a regular driver's license. Mm -hmm. Now, the cool thing about scooters in cities, for most Americans, we're not that familiar with them like they, you guys are in Europe. Um, they take up less parking spaces. Uh, there's no pollution. There's less noise. There's less traffic. They're cheaper and faster for people to get around the city. And um, I think when we go to Austin for Fully Charged Live, we should rent a Revel scooter and see what it's like. Yeah, I think that that'll be fun. I I love scooter travel. It's uh, it's the new thing. I mean, this we've never had it before. Yeah, it's true. And it sounds like there's going to be a new way to get around New York City. Oh, what is that? Uh, a taxi. Have you ever heard of that before? It's kind of like Uber. A taxi? It's like Uber, but it's um, older. Oddly enough. Wait, how do you get a taxi? I think there's some kind of app that you do, and then you kind of like hold up your hand with the app. Uh-huh. Oh, you wave? You, you wave, right? Oh, that's high tech. Yeah. Wow. It's and then, cool. and then the And then the car just sees you waving, it comes and over? And it comes over to you. Well, there's going to be an even newer update to this uh, system. What is that? Which is that they're going to have Model 3s in the fleet of yellow taxi cabs in New York. Yeah, that's right. And the New York Taxi and Limousine Commission officially approved the Tesla Model 3 to become a New York City yellow cab with an unrestricted medallion. Now, there are 13,500 yellow cabs in New York City right now with over 100,000 for hire vehicles. Ubers. Ubers and Lyfts. Um, and so let's take a look just for a second at what's happening in a city like New York with taxis. So app-based rides, things like Ubers and Lyfts, they've been Increased from 2017, where they had 6 million rides, to 7 million rides in 2018, whereas taxi trips have fallen from 11 million rides down to 8.5 million rides. Interesting. And, uh, well, maybe some of these new Model 3 taxis are going to uh, excite people to get in a taxi again. Maybe. You know? I don't, I, I don't know. I wonder how many Uber drivers are driving uh, Model 3s in New York. A lot of people like to Uber their Teslas just because... It allows them to drive it around. Yeah. Now, speaking of the tri-state area, mm -hmm. if you are in uh, the Philadelphia area coming up on November 16th, you might be interested in this. Remember Mr. G? Taught us everything we know about welding? Yes. And you remember Matt from Sunlight Conversions, the uh, solar-powered sailboat? Yes. Well, they're getting together to teach a class in Philly on November 16th, a one-day class on pretty much everything you need to know 
about EV conversions. What? They're going to be teaching you about how to read a wiring schematic, choose the right wire for your project, the differences between voltage and amperage, motors, controllers, batteries, how to fit all that stuff in your car, metal fabrication, intro to welding, intro to machining, the mindset of conversions, motor mounts, adapter plates, battery management, and they'll even have a conversion car there for you to check out. Awesome. How do I sign up? Uh, we'll put the information down below. You can go check that out. Wow, that is super fun. Yeah. So remember last year we shared a video of nonprofit OpenAI's Dactyl. This is the robotic hand. Um, and this is what it could do as of July of 2018. Oh, yeah. It was able to like manipulate a, a block, kind of like just a little, you know, kid's block around in its hand to have particular sides up or down. Yeah, and this took 6,144 CPUs and eight powerful NVIDIA V100 GPUs. Wow, that's, that's a lot of power. So let's check in with it one year later. So today, this is what it can do. Wait, now, is that, that's a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, and keep in mind that that is not programmed to specifically know how to do anything with that Rubik's Cube. That is just told generally that it wants to solve the problem and go ahead and figure it out. Really? Yeah. It's using basically the same, you know, learning you would use if you didn't know the the trick to solving a Rubik's Cube. If you were just like trying things out, turning it around, learning. And it's doing it with one hand. And it's not dropping it. One of the ways they've been learning how to train it faster is to actually make it harder for it. So instead of like trying to make it easier and easier, they've actually, you know, whack it, throw things at it, blow bubbles at it, things that confuse it, put a glove on it. Hmm. And, and that's actually been shown to make the brain, the AI brain, work harder. Now, this isn't the fastest you can solve a Rubik's Cube. No, this is the fastest. I'm sorry, uh, could we get that in real time? Uh, this is the fastest. Okay, again, that was, what is that, like some kind of time lapse? No, that, that's in real time. Oh, you want it in slower slower than real time? Oh, here it is in slow, t slow mode. Okay, wait, what? Yeah, that's a robot developed by MIT students Ben Katz and Jared DiCarlo. They've set the world record for solving Rubik's Cube in less than a second. That machine is specifically designed to solve a Rubik's Cube. Interesting. The fastest that a human can do it is about 4.22 seconds, and that was done in, in 2018 by Felix Zemdegs. Come on, get a sub five. That's really impressive as well. So, I mean, the idea behind this is that you're making a general solution to a lot of general problems. Right. You are not creating a specific solution to one problem. So, I mean, obviously that MIT machine is specifically designed. You can put a Rubik's Cube right in there and it can turn each axis and just go and right. solve it, um, <laughs> which is wild. Right. But can't really chop onions. No. And it can't really, you know, hold a drill. It can't do basically anything else except for solve a Rubik's Cube in a quarter of a second. Well, here's what I think is incredible. Last year, this hand, imagine it was a human hand, mm -hmm. could do what you said like a two-year-old could do. And this year, one year later, that two-year-old is now doing pretty much with like a maybe 10 or 12-year-old can do, which right. is solve a Rubik's Cube. So it's in the span of one year improved like 10 years. Well, I mean, and keep in mind like, you can teach a little kid how to solve a Rubik's Cube if that's the only thing sure. they're going to do. Yeah, that's if you trained your six-year-old. Right. But this is just handing it to a six-year-old and seeing what they come up with. And I think that that Ooh. requires an older kid. I, I mean... Or a smarter kid. Honestly, though... Like, I've never solved it, so, you know... Solving a Rubik's Cube usually involves being told the algorithms of how to do it. Yeah, I mean, just keep in mind, it looks simple. It's three by three by three, but it has 43 quintillion possible combinations and only one solution. 
So you've heard of the Ionity Charger Network, right? Yeah. Do you know what they charge? Electric cars. No, I mean, do you know what they charge? Uh, like 250 kilowatts, right? No, I mean, do you know what they charge? Oh, like how much money you have to pay? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. Like the price of electricity plus a little bit? Well, check this out. If you were to charge at a Tesla supercharger in Denmark, mm-hmm. you would be charged 32 cents per kilowatt hour. Okay. That's well, actually, you'd be charged in kroner, but that's the U.S. equivalent. Okay. I mean, that's that's pretty expensive, especially for around here. I think a supercharger is around 23 cents per kilowatt hour, and that's right. in Massachusetts, which has a high. Okay. Yeah, sure. And an Ionity charger would charge you 88 cents a kilowatt hour. 88 cents a kilowatt hour. And that's for their slower charging power. That's for speeds up to 100 kilowatts. If you want to get the speeds that are faster than 100 kilowatts, they're going to charge you $1.44 a kilowatt hour. And this is throughout their entire charging network. I just chose Denmark as an example. I may as well buy gas at that price. That's ridiculous. Now, you know what's absurd about this is that uh, we're hearing from our European viewers that the Ionity Charger Network is partially paid for by their tax dollars. It's a subsidy to help build out something that's good infrastructure for everybody. And they're charging this much? Mm -hmm. So last week, FCA and PSA Group announced that they will be merging. Now, this means that all of these brands that you're seeing on the screen will now become a part of the new company. Now, Professor Schmidtkins, why would these two companies merge? Well, you see, there are externalities and synergies, which are commonalities to the symbolic workings of the economic structure. Ipso facto, upon further retrospection, you could see a common yet opposite business structure that may be productive in producing results beneficial to all of the above mentioned brands. Okay, uh, could you give this to us in a more condensed explanation, Professor? Hmm, yes. Well, let me see if I can put this in a more layman's terms. Um, they, um, they need to merge or they will go out of business. Yeah, that sounds about right. Basically, all of these brands are having trouble selling cars, and so they're trying to combine their forces for economics of scale. The good news is that the new alliance, which would produce about 9 million cars a year, will now be headed by Carlos Tavares. Yeah, he's a big proponent of electric cars. And what's interesting to note here is that FCA currently backs Trump's plan to roll back higher fuel economy standards. Hopefully, under Tavares's leadership, FCA will break away from GM and Toyota um, and renounce this stupid rollback of uh, emissions. I think this chart here will help us explain why companies like FCA, GM, and Toyota do want to roll back the fuel standards. And what's weird here is that they're siding with the EPA to roll back the standards, which I know is confusing because you think when the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency... They would be trying to protect the environment, but in fact, the EPA currently is just trying to protect lobbyists' interest groups um, for major corporations and not the environment, which is the title of the administration that they're part of. Can you explain this a little bit better here? So on the left, we see um, fuel standards. Yep. Now, they're all going in the same direction, except... Toyota. Except Toyota, which is going back. So their fleet miles per gallon uh, is getting worse while everyone else's is getting better. So you can even see that FCA, they went from last place to last place, right? They improved a little bit to get themselves right into last place from last place. So they're doing a terrible job. You can see other companies, uh, you know, striding ahead. One particular company that's missing from this list is Tesla, because if you put Tesla on the graph, it would break the graph. Yeah, I mean, they have infinite fuel economy and zero carbon dioxide emissions. 
exactly. So that should give you some indication as to what a leap all of these car manufacturers have to do. Because, you know, I can be making fun of FCA all I want to, but the truth is it's only eight miles per gallon worse than the best, most efficient car brand on this list, which oh, is wow. Honda. It's a really tight group. And, you know, I had a 1991 Honda Civic. Mm -hmm. They got 36 miles to the gallon. And today you, you buy a Civic and I think it has worse guys mileage. I mean, I, yeah. it's it's... It's crazy that they're like, well, we're just working on the technology. And it's like, why aren't you more efficient? It's really frustrating. And obviously electric is the answer, right? This is the way that we solve the problem. Especially since air pollution in the US got worse from 2016 to 2018. Really? Yeah. According to this new research from economists Karen Clay and Nicholas Mueller of Carnegie Mellon University, from 2009 to 2016, the average levels of the fine particulates in the ambient air of the U.S. dropped by 24.2%. That's great. Isn't that good? Yes. Oh, but then from 2016 to 2018, average levels jumped by 5.5%. What does that mean? Well, as a result of that increase, 4,900 Americans died prematurely in 2017 and 9,700 people died prematurely in 2018. Now, keep in mind that this isn't just like a couple little points of data. This is a database with over 1.8 million daily readings from 653 monitors throughout the U.S. So the research suggests that the rise in the use of natural gas and the increases in vehicle miles traveled are likely contributors to the increase in PM 2.5. Yeah. So when we talk about these fuel economy standards, it's not some just, you know, academic thing that we just talk about because it's just very nice to talk about numbers. Right. It's people's lives. Well, here is some, a little bit of good news. We seem to be balancing it pretty well it's, this week. Yes, back and forth, back and forth. So here we're going to look at a map of new power plants that are coming online in the United States. And you'll see that most of them, in fact, almost all of them, are renewable energy with the exception of natural gas Wait, plants. How, how can you tell? Uh, well, the green is wind. Oh, okay. And yellow is solar. Mm -hmm. So you can see a lot of solar going in in the southeastern United States along, mm -hmm. I mean, pretty much up the entire East Coast. Yep. And the smatterings in the rest of the country. And you can see a lot of wind going right in the center of the country. Look at Wind, Texas. It's the windiest. I know. Texas is getting a huge increase in wow. the amount of uh, energy that it's creating cleanly. Uh, what's the red? The red is natural gas. So, oh, so there's a bunch of new natural gas plants coming online. Okay. Yes. Um, but let's take a look at what is going out, right? We just saw what's coming online. Uh -huh. Let's see what's going offline. Oh, well, yeah. What's, what's going offline? Tons of coal. Tons and tons and tons of coal. Look oh, at some of these coal plants. Circles? Yes. Oh. These are all going offline. And just a really fun little statistic for you. Green energy accounted for 18.49% of the grid up to August of 2019. Is that good? Well, it was 17.95 in 2018, which was last year. Oh, wow. So it's increasing. It's increased by over half a percent. In just one year? Yeah, and we're approaching 20% renewable energy. Wow. Which is insane, right? Before, everyone was like, wow, you can only make like 1% of all the world's energy. And it's like, not really. You can make 20% today. And it's only getting cheaper to make green energy. Now, do you want to get solar yourself? Because a lot of people write to us and they're like, 
I'd like to get solar, but I don't even know where to begin. And we don't have time, nor do we have the knowledge to be able to answer your questions accurately to help you with options, incentives, uh, technical questions. And well, we kind of had to outsource it. So if you reach out to Energy Geeks, they can help walk you through all this stuff. Um, and you can see an interview that we did with them right here. Um, so you can get to kind of meet the guys first before you decide to go talk to them. And it doesn't cost you anything more. So they get paid through the installer for helping to guide you through making the best decision for you. Um, and if you use our link down below, it'll let them know that we sent you. So we talk a lot about shorting Tesla stock on mm -hmm. the show. And I think a lot of people are still a little confused. Uh, you know, how does this work? Why does this work? How do you guys know that these aren't real shorts? So let's go through a little education in shorting. Sure. So what you're trying to do is normally when when you hear people talk about stocks, it's buy low and sell high, right? So you want to buy a stock when it's low, the price goes up, you sell it when it's high. You could do that with anything. You know, oh, I bought this rock for a dollar and now it's worth $5. I'm going to sell it and I made $4, right? So what is shorting? So shorting is kind of the exact same concept, only it's backwards. It's sell high, buy low. That's what you just said a minute ago. Well, no, I said Buy low, sell high. That's what I know. That's what you said a minute ago. The, 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 the order is switched. So oh. when, you, when you short a stock, you are selling it. You've borrowed money to sell the stock. Uh huh. You've basically kind of like bought and sold it in the same day. Okay. But then you have to buy it back at a later date. And so what you're right. hoping is that as time goes on, you're hoping that you know something like, oh, I think that their production numbers are going to be lower this quarter. And so, oh no, that that is the news. And the news comes out and everyone sells their stock. Then you get to buy the stock low at a lower price. And so you've made the difference. You already sold the stock. And then whatever the price gets down to is what you buy it for. Okay, and give it back to the person you borrowed it from. Right. So if we look at a chart for CareDX Incorporated, this is a company that's shorted a lot. You can see that the number of shares being shorted is in orange, and the stock price is in green. Mm -hmm. And do you see a correlation at all? Yeah, so as the stock price goes up, the number of shorts goes up because there's a bigger potential for the stock price to go down, right. which means that you get a big profit if you've shorted the stock. Right, as the stock price goes up, people are like, oh, it's overpriced, I'm going to short it, and then collect my rewards when the stock drops. Right. So it's, yeah, you can just see it's, they're following each other. Right. Okay, now here's Tesla. So you, looks, do you see a difference? This is the complete opposite. As you see the green line, which is the price of Tesla, as you see it dipping lower and lower and lower, you see that the shorts go up and up and up. And that doesn't make any sense because if the value of Tesla gets lower and lower, there's less potential for you to make any money. Exactly. You, you're basically betting that the company will absolutely 100% the stock price will hit the bottom, which is zero. And this is why we know that this isn't normal shorting. This is shorting by a group that doesn't care about making money. They care about killing the company. Right, because the more they can short, the lower the stock price will go. Actually, the shorts have an effect on the stock price and the stock price will go down. And my question is, where is the SEC? So get this, there are 2,000 supercharger stalls in China. Wow, and look at that beautiful Tesla store. And there's some amazing September stats from Europe. Check this out. BEVs in Europe grew 109% year over year to 41,001 units sold. Wow. That's just in September. Model 3 beat its all-time record from March of this year, selling 17,490 units in September. Meanwhile, diesel, fell 29% so far this year. Thank you, Clean Technica, for those awesome graphs. And there's a cool over-the-air update coming. What is it? It is 2019.36.1. So what are we getting in it? So we are getting stopping mode. 
So uh, let me read the release notes and then we'll talk about it. So along with the previously available creep and roll settings, a new setting called hold is available as a stopping mode selection. When hold is selected, your vehicle continues to use regen braking after deaccelerating to a low speed and applies vehicle hold after coming to a complete stop. The hold setting maximizes range and reduces brake wear by continuing to provide regen braking at speeds lower than approximately five miles an hour. Hold is one of my favorite things about a Tesla. It's actually one of these little secrets I didn't even know it had until I got my car. And then I was like, I love this. Whenever you come to a red light, let's say. And you stop the car. You stop the car. You push just a little teeny bit more on the brake. It puts the car into hold. You can now take your feet off the pedals and the car will not go anywhere. It's like you put your parking brake on. Mm -hmm. But then when you go to hit the accelerator, your car starts right back up again. Right. And I love this because it works on hills, whether you're going up, whether you're going down. It means that it completely frees your foot while you're sitting there at a red light. But what I don't get is we already had hold. So what is this giving us? So this is a this is a new feature. Basically, you know how with regen braking, it's nice. You get off the highway and it's slowing you down all the way. You're not you're not riding the brakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice for hills. It's nice for slowing down for stop signs. Everything like that. Mm-hmm. Now regen braking is going to work once you get down to about five miles an hour. Oh. So up to this point, I kind of was under the impression that that was all regen braking could do for me was just you know slow me down to about five miles an hour turns out they can increase regen braking at even lower speeds and actually stop the car using nothing but the magnets in your motor which means there is no brake pad wear because i I mean you can drive it now to where you get down to about five miles an hour when you're approaching a stop sign and you're basically coasting at that point and you have to hit the brake to stop the car and it's significantly better than having to use brakes all the time, which you have to do on most ICE vehicles. But what you're saying, this could almost bring us to entire one-pedal driving. Yes, this could mean that you basically wouldn't have to ever touch your brake pedal because you would just be, you know, with the regen braking on your right pedal, as long as you don't have to do any uh, more sudden braking, it means that you can do almost all your day-to-day driving with your right foot. Wow. I love it. Um, now, there's also something about traffic cones. So, yeah, Tesla will now actually be able to identify traffic cones out on the road and show them in the, the visualization to actually. So, you know, when you see the lane markings and other cars around you, now you will see traffic cones. And if you're in Navigate on Autopilot, it will suggest that you take a lane change to get away from the cones because I don't know if you've noticed this before, but cones aren't usually exactly on the line. Sometimes they're like on the line, on the line, on the line, in the middle of the lane, on the line, on the line, on the line. And in fact, a lot of times they're actually trying to get you to merge into a a neighboring lane so that they can do work on the roads ahead of you. So this is an amazing feature because now your car will say, hey, there's traffic cones. I should get away from them. They're A, a danger to my car, and it probably means that I'm going to need to merge soon. Really, really cool stuff. All right, it's time for Throwback Thursday. It's Monday. So last Thursday, Monday, we discussed the petition in Europe to stop crippling Tesla autopilot in Europe. And we got the five second to 15 second change wrong. I believe we misread that due to translations to English. Yes. But anyway, both these proposals, one is to increase the G's in a turn and the other is to increase from five seconds to 15 seconds the lane change. Those are good things, actually. Right. The petition is separate from these two proposals um, and you still have time to sign it. The petition is to tell regulators in Europe that they want Tesla's autopilot to be available there. So go to the link, sign the petition. And if you need more explanation that's better than what I'm giving you, go to Stephen Peter's video, link down below. He'll explain this a whole lot better. All right, it's time for video contributor stories. This week, we've got a story about Blue Indy in Indianapolis. Blue Indy program is part of Blue Solutions, which is a subsidiary 
of um, Bolare, which is a multinational company. They have 81,000 employees in 181 countries in the world. Bolare is a French company. The car is made in Italy. It was designed and built by Pininfarina at the uh, Chekomp plant in Bellagio, Italy. They built about 10,000 of these cars for different car services around the world. 190 active cars. We've got 93 stations um, with charging points. Most every station we have at least one to three cars at the station, so there's a place for you to park, there's a place for you to be able to rent a car. To uh, get a taxi, it's 40 to 50 dollars from the airport to downtown. Uh, an Uber is about 40 dollars. You would first have to have a membership card. To get the card, you have to have a driver's license and an active credit card, and you have to submit a self a selfie photo uh, along with your driver's license and they compare that. There's a web application on blueindy.com. Uh, you go to that, um, you've got your membership registered on that web application and you can see where the car's at, the closest car. So you select that car that will instantly reserve this car. You reserve your parking space as well. You get in the car and you're going to the airport, so you get in the car, the GPS, you enter in the airport location, and you drive to the airport. And you can, before you ever leave here, you can reserve a parking space at the airport. So you take off, drive to the airport, there's a blue light on the station that was reserved for you. You back the car into the station and plug it in, and when you plug the car in successfully and lock the door, your time ends and you get an instant message that your time has ended and you had it for this long. Please make sure you get all of your items out of the car. Message comes up and your bill is this much. We'll bill your card at the end of the month. Thank you so much. And remember, if you want to submit your video contributor story, it's really easy to do. Shoot some cool video, tell a story about something that you know something about in your neck of the woods, and email us at zach at nowyouknowchannel.com, and we'll try and get it on the air. All right, it's time for the Patreon bonus stories. For those of you who don't know what this is, this is some exclusive Patreon content that we give away for just a dollar a month, and we give it away every week. So it's actually like a quarter for the Patreon bonus stories every week. Um, so if you want to check it out, you can head over to patreon.com, uh, search for Now You Know, and check out some of the awesome perks that we have over there. We have everything from uh, exclusive shirts, exclusive hats, exclusive mugs, and Patreon bonus stories. And in fact, we're going to be doing a live stream for our $8 and above uh, Patreon supporters. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. So if you want to see the Patreon bonus stories today, and to join our live stream, uh, we're gonna be using Zoom. We're gonna be teleconferencing with people. It's gonna be really fun. You can head over to Patreon and sign up. Well, we're done with the Patreon bonus stories and it's time for the Patreon shoutouts. These are people who support us for $5 or more a month. Who do we have this week, Jess? We have Andrew Pritchett, Yahoo2, Blue Mojo, Bob Vendehi, Tony Coley, Michael Anastasi, David Stober, Rob Rosenblatt, 
EV Bike Dude, and Stephen McCandless. Thank you so much for supporting this channel. We can't do it without you. Our Patreons are the best. All right, it's time for Elon's Tweets of the Week. All right, Elon tweeted this. It is uh, pumpkin versus solar glass. Happy Halloween. And uh, Which one? Uh, the, the pumpkin definitely lost in yeah. that exchange. Uh, Jason Dunn said, I had to get an oil change for my other car this week, and it felt profoundly wrong. It's amazing how sudden the shift towards EV normalcy happens. One pedal driving, no stops at a gas station, virtually no maintenance. It's jarring driving an ice car now, Elon. I've experienced that as well. And Elon agrees. So true. Imagine if phones were gasoline powered. Total sales would be like 14 units worldwide. Using oil slash gas and being forced to constantly visit toxic chemical dispensing stations will seem so insane in the future. Now, I'd like to do a little plug for the... Um, advertisement we did for Tesla. Do you remember this? Okay. You wouldn't power the lights in your home with a gas engine. <coughs> Why would you? Right, you wouldn't power your electric guitar with a gas engine. Why would you? You wouldn't power your car with a gas engine. Why would you? Yeah, remember when Tesla was doing the Love Day commercial um, competition? Yes. And uh, yeah, this is kind of the same idea. Like if everything was gas powered, it would seem just ridiculous. Right. Uh, apparently not if you grew up with that being the normal thing. You'd just I guess. think that it was Can you imagine normal. if we had gas powered phones? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, can you hear me? Then Elon tweeted out, apologies to those waiting for solar power wall outside of California as we're prioritizing those affected by wildfires. And this really struck me because most corporations are like, we want to sell widgets. We don't care where you live. And um, uh, Elon's like, hey, you know, if you live in Puerto Rico after the hurricane, we're going to get you your power walls. If you live in California after the wildfires, we're going to get you your solar roof and your power walls. Like they care about people being adversely affected right. by things. And they're maximizing the good that they're doing. Yeah. And then uh, this is a little kind of concerning if, uh -huh. for tweets of the week. Um, Elon tweeted out, not sure about good of Twitter. Reddit still seems good going offline. And this was on November 1st, and we still have not heard from him yet as of the taping of the show. So he might be going dark for a while. All right, it's time for Community Mail Time. Community Mail Time. So Bill and Charlie from Mango Acoustic Duo in the UK, they reached out to say that they are supporters of Now You Know and could very well be the world's first carbon neutral wedding musicians. They said, we drive a Model 3, thanks to you guys, and our electricity comes from Bulb, who produce 100% renewable energy. We hope to get solar, Powerwall, ASAP. We've just added a carbon neutral page to our website where we link to interesting, helpful, educational businesses, charities, organizations, such as your good selves. And I say, check out their set list and check out how good they sound. There's yeah. some music. I can't play it because of copyright, but there's some awesome music on their um, website so you can hear how they sound. I don't know if you're thinking of having a wedding. Look at that set list. I mean, oh my God, you got to hire them. That's and, amazing. And I think this should be a new wedding tradition. What's the what's that? Well, you know, the old wedding traditions, you tie some cans and stuff to the back of a car and you drive off. Yes. But I mean, this is the beginning of, of the new of your new life. It should be you drive away in a Tesla or an electric car, right? a new thing. Yeah. Right. Something new. Yeah. And quiet and non-polluting and awesome. There you go. Just like hopefully your marriage. Yeah. <laughs> quiet, non-polluting and awesome. So our friend Clint saw the Ford all-electric prototype in Oklahoma, 
And it's really interesting because I don't think we've ever seen this outside of a Ford-branded commercial. One of the most interesting things and something that Clint picked up on, and I'm so glad you did, Clint, nice work, is he saw that the batteries of this all-electric Ford pickup were really kind of low. Yeah, that's the battery pack down That's there? the battery pack. So that's the ground clearance that you get on this Ford F-150. Did they just, like, take a battery pack and screw it to the bottom of the truck? I think that's what they did. Now, it's a prototype. I'm not saying that this is what you're going to buy, but it is kind of interesting. Good for towing trains, I guess, um, but not so good for most of the things that people want to buy a Ford F-150 for, which are off-road things, I presume. So let me get this straight. They probably invested the $500,000 in Rivian. And then they were like, quick, like, give us a battery pack. Battery and a motor. Quick, 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 <laughs> quick, quick, quick. Okay. And they did it. And oh, also, is that his new Model 3? Clint has a new Model 3. Nice. This is our friend Bob up in Deep River, Ontario. This uh, Tesla supercharger station is apparently under construction. Doesn't look very under construction to me. It's ready to go. But it will be part of the Trans-Canadian Tesla supercharger network highway. Nice. I'm very excited about. That, uh, it looks like there's a bunch of superchargers that aren't really online yet that could probably get all turned online at, at once. Yes, that could be very exciting. So our friend Adam shared us this. Uh, this is, well, it's an electric lawnmower. Oh, this is what I was talking about last week. From the 70s. I would I would say that pretty much held its value, wait, wouldn't you? Wait a minute. This is from the 70s and it's still $2,700? That's a pretty good value hold Oh my right gosh, there. it probably cost less than that back in the <laughs> 70s. I mean, wow. that's... That's pretty good. Yeah. I if if that doesn't tempting. tell you anything about electric, I don't know what does. And our friend Aaron wanted to show everyone uh, this really cool Model 3 he spotted on his block. It's uh, has that cool finish that appears to change colors as you change the viewing angle. Now Aaron, are you just being modest? Were you just being like, "Oh, it's on my block in my driveway?" No, 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 it's not his car. It's not. Okay. No, no, he just, just he spotted it. Just making sure. But I mean, I I'd like that color. Yeah, That's that cool. that is pretty cool. And then our friend Richard just got solar installed on his house and he got something in the mail. <laughs> a solar He got a a, a, a big wait, battery bank. He got a power wall in the That's going to charge your phone <laughs> hundreds of times. And then it appears that Edmonds is trying to get off my list. So, you remember last week we put Edmonds on the list because uh, they were very negative. They didn't put Tesla Model 3 on their list. Yeah. Um, and then we saw from our friend Mark here uh, from the Gastrol YouTube channel, which is a great channel. You should go check it out. This Model 3, uh, and if you look very carefully there on the left, you'll see that it's labeled Edmonds EV. Maybe it's just some guy named Edmonds. Maybe. You know? And our patron John wrote to us and he said, uh, just had two power walls installed. What scheme do you use to prevent the car from draining the power walls in the event of a grid failure? So this actually happened to us a couple weeks ago um, when that tree knocked out our power. Mm -hmm. uh, the scheme was that Zach and I ran out to the driveway and unplugged the cars. Now, you could use your Tesla app yep. to shut off the charging to your car as well, but you'd kind of have to know that the blackout occurred. Right. There are some other ways that you could do that. You could wire up your house so that only some circuits would be getting power to the uh, to the battery. Yep. Hopefully, in the future, Tesla can, can add this to the app where you have mm. you know, your smart... Uh, battery pack and you have your smart cars and you can they can communicate with each other and what I would want would be for there to be a plan in place mm -hmm. basically you would say either I'm going to stay at home or I'm going to leave oh during a blackout because I mean if there's a blackout and your power walls aren't going to last you forever let's say it's a week long power outage we've had some of those 
maybe you're going to try and you know unplug everything, just keep the fridge and some of the lights on, and maybe just uh, enough power to turn on the heaters that are you know use natural gas or whatever to keep your house livable for a week's worth of time. Or maybe your plan is that you're going to leave whenever there's a power outage. So maybe you're going to charge your car, or you're not going to charge your car. Sounds and to me you just want an excuse to use your dream case, but okay. I, <laughs> I'm just saying, like if the if the plan is you go drive to grandma's house. Have it charge the cars, drain the battery down to some level. Plan it out. All right, it's time for our on-air question of the week. Ken asks, when level four full self-driving awakens, we will desperately need a deployed RoboSnake charger infrastructure. Indeed, this would be very handy when auto summon reaches level three so you can summon your car from a supercharger and send your car to park it and plug it in. I don't know. I think I think that you're going to be better off cost-wise just hiring a bunch of uh, minimum wage people to sit there, read a book, and when a car comes in and needs to be plugged in, they plug it in. When it needs to leave, they unplug it. Uh, a bunch of people, first of all, uh, in the United States, there's mm-hmm. 716 uh, superchargers. Okay. So let's pay them 12 bucks an hour, Okay. 24 hours a day, because yep. cars ride all day. It's 365 mm-hmm. days a year. So that's $75 million. Okay. Uh, a year. Yep. And then let's divide that by the 716 superchargers in the U.S. Um, let's say there's eight superchargers on average. Mm-hmm. So that would be $13,000 per each robo arm. So you're saying it would be cheaper to hire people than to pay $13,000 for a robo arm that will now work forever? Oh, I see. Because then the next year you'd you have to pay, pay $75, $75 million, million again. again. I see. Well, and I mean, I know the first few arms are going to cost more than thirteen thousand sure. because you have to develop them. But I think once you figured it out, I can't believe you'd spend more than thirteen thousand on a robo arm. That's a good point. I because think, I think a Kuka robot arm right now could do that. It could probably do that. And yeah, okay. So let's say wouldn't that be cool? A supercharger with just a bunch of like like arms everywhere. It it would be cool. Yeah, you, I mean, because again, you wouldn't even be pulling in there. So right, you can just summon it in. Just summon it in. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that there will be a time and place for uh, people plugging in cars. Hmm. All right, it's time for the results of last week's poll. We asked, what most excited you about the Tesla Q3 earnings call? And I was surprised. Yeah, most people were excited about the China Gigafactory being up and running. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of thinking the profitability would have been what people were most excited about. Um but I mean, I'll be honest. Yeah, almost almost two to one. It was Gigafactory three, and then um, second place was the Model Y being ahead of schedule. Right. And this is actually kind of great because profitability, again, is not the key indicator. When no. we were talking to Galley, he's like, yeah, profitability really doesn't matter at this no. point. They're still investing in yes. the future and the Model Y and the Gigafactory are both those things. Yes. It's time for Supercharger Reviews. Let's see what we got. Hi, Zach and Jesse. It's Gareth with Bobby and Leia, the dogs, on this lovely field at Charnet Richard Supercharger on the M6 northbound in Lancashire. And we've got this perfect start, this great field here for the dogs to play in. Um, We've got all sorts of amenities over here um, at the Welcome Break service station. Uh, We've got a Waitrose um, and I think a Burger King and a number of other things. Uh, The supercharger itself is actually just immediately on the the turn, straight after you come off the motorway. Um, We've got four stalls uh, for uh, for the Model 3 with the CCS and the rest of them are for the Model S and X. The Supercharger itself is part of the Ramada Hotel here, so if you're staying there or you're heading northbound on the M6, then it's a great place to stop. I'd give it a 9 out of 10, just because there's no Supercharger on the southbound side, 
Um, so if you've got one to stop, if you're going south and you want to stop with supercharger, it's about a six mile round trip. So uh, for that reason, only a nine out of 10. And now you know. Hey Zach and Jesse, I'm out here at the Cincinnati, Ohio Supercharger right off 71. Uh, it's uh, the tin stall and uh, we actually got a trash can at this one, which I haven't seen very many of. So uh, we got a uh, Meyer right over here, which is basically like a Walmart fancier a little bit. LA Fitness and a Target over there. Um, over, over the uh, way back behind the buildings, there's some more shopping, also movie theater that way. There's an IHOP and a Steak and Shake right over there. Uh, I give this place about a 9 to 10 out of 10. There's a lot of stuff to do and uh, you can get your shopping done. Hello, now you know. This is a review for the Nova Scotia Enfield Tesla Supercharger. As you can see right here, I got an 8 stall charger. I don't quite like where the trailer one is because if you park in front of it, you're going to block the rest of the stalls, but that's how it is. In behind there, you've got Basically a convenience store plus restaurant. Over here, that's the 102 highway. We're right off exit number seven. And just below that sign there, you can see a little doggy daycare park. You have a four-legged friend, you can let them run around a bit. And if you're in a hurry, they do have a Burger King slash Tim Hortons here. Other than that, not much around. I give this a seven out of 10 just because it's well, it's convenient, but not close. Have a good one. Hey, Zach and Jess. My name is James, and I'm on a road trip from Houston to California and back. Heading to the Tesla factory to do my tour and see a few things along the way. So this is my first charging spot. I'm in Flatonia, Texas, which is halfway between Houston and San Antonio. I'll be keeping you updated. I'm the only one here, and uh, I got... 125 kilowatts to start. I think it slowed down a little bit since then. Looks like I'll be here for about 20 to 30 minutes at the most. Looking forward to sharing more of these videos with you and I'll be in touch. I'm giving this supercharger station a nine, but honestly I haven't seen very many to compare it to, but I'm loving it so far. Now you know. Awesome, I love this segment of the show. Remember to keep your phone in landscape so that's where it's a rectangle that matches the the format of the show it helps to uh yeah to record it like that all right we got some new superchargers that went online this week what do we got we have one of the most easterly superchargers in central europe this is the eight stall in foot hungary number 485 in europe and number four in hungary on the other side of budapest is the eight stall in turukbaland hungary Number 34 in Australia, 1,667 in the world, the $6 at Mooney Ponds in Victoria, Australia. All right, it's time for our Patreon giveaway, and we're going to be giving away an EcoWare beanie, uh, which you may not have seen before. I yeah. think this is new. It comes in many different varieties, so yeah. whoever wins is going to have their pick. Yeah, and remember that uh, EcoWare is designed with solar energy. It's completely offset, and when you buy a tea or a beanie, we plant a tree. All right, and the winner is Peter Darowitz. Peter, congratulations. You won an EcoWare beanie. All right. Well, you made it to the end of the show. Thank you so much for watching all the way to the end. Uh, you know, we try and fit in as much news and interesting information as possible into this show because we really do care about everything. Um, everything? 
I mean, yeah. I mean, that's why we care about the climate crisis is because it affects everything. That's true. And and so, you know, what's what's the one thing you can care about that, that matters the most is caring about climate change. So like when you're plugging the show to your friends, you can be like, watch this YouTube channel. They care about everything. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, we're not covering, you know, 14th century French art or anything like that. But right. we, we, you know, there won't be any 14th century French art if the world collapses. True. You know, that's just trouble um but anyway we we want to you know bring you interesting stuff as well at some point when we've you know completely figured out the climate crisis and we don't have to worry about it anymore we can start talking about things that we're interested in yeah i mean like we love to learn and uh we were watching a master class uh, right before the show mm -hmm. uh we were watching with game designer will wright he's the guy that designed uh sim city the sims uh spore and probably the earliest game that i ever played which was Sim Ant. I think oh, the yeah. only other game that I played before that was that skiing game where the Yeti would come and eat you. I don't remember that game. You remember that one? No. That one gave me nightmares. But um, Sim Ant, that yeah. was a really cool game. Yeah. And, and we and I I didn't realize how much Will Wright actually um, shaped my life. <laughs> because really? yeah, no, seriously, because I was thinking about this after we had watched it, and. I played Sim Ant as a kid. I played Sim City. I played uh, Sim Tower. All of the different Maxis games he basically made because, and it's so interesting to hear him talk because it's so many different ideas that were deeply set into my brain as a little kid playing Sim Ant and Sim City. Um, that well, are like what? Well, that he can look at almost anything and find an interesting game in it. I mean, you mm. you look at a game like Spore, which takes place from the cellular level all the way to the galactic, you know, uh, expansion of a civilization. And you're just like, oh, well, that's why I think that microbes are cool and space travel is cool. Like, Interesting. oh, maybe that's why. Yeah, um, I mean, he had a really good point, which is a lot of times we say, you know, game video games are bad. Right. But um, he pointed out that all throughout technological advancement, the, the thing that came before always says that the next thing is bad. So, right. like, radio said that television is bad, and right. television said that film is bad, and film said that games are bad. Like, um, it, it doesn't mean they're bad. I mean, yes, you can play violent games. Right. But, like, SimCity and uh, Sim Ant, there's nothing violent inherently built into them. You right. can be violent and, like, burn the ants if you want to. But, but it's that's, a simulation. Right. And I don't even think you could burn the ants. You, you were an ant. Right, you were an ant. Right. And, right. And so you... Wait, I think one of the cool... The coolest takeaways that I learned was that um, he said that small guinea pig versions of of the world really help pique your interest. Mm. So he, you know, when he had the prototype for SimCity, he thought that it was just an interesting thing just for him, but that other people found it equally as interesting because it was in a format that they could affect and and work on, and and that was really interesting to me because. You know, we've dealt with uh, small city government and stuff like that, and it's really boring and confusing and hard to manage and deal with. But obviously, in SimCity, it's gamified; it's a right. little bit simpler, and you're able to understand way broader uh, concepts. Yeah. And the same thing applies to, you know, Sim Ant, where it was like, you know, you usually see an ant, and you're just like, well, it's an ant in my house, and kill it. Um, but I remember as a kid just being fascinated by, you know, just sit at an anthill all day and just watch them 
do their thing. And, and it was like, oh, this is super interesting because you get into it and realize what they're actually doing. But yeah, so I urge you, if you're interested at all in learning from, like there's over 50 masters here to learn from in everything from cooking to uh, being an astronaut to being a basketball player, um, check out our link below, go check it out, see if it's something that interests you and it helps support us here on the show. Right, it's just something that we thought was interesting. We would like to share it with you and it's a great Christmas present. This is kind of like one of those presents that you can give and also use yourself. You know, kind of like getting a blender for your wife or something like that. Uh, and then be like, I made margaritas, huh? Right. right. Yeah. Um, th it's one of those where you can be like, here, I know that you like, uh, you know, Natalie Portman as an actress. Right. You can watch her masterclass and I will watch Steve Martin or I will right. watch Wolfgang uh, Puck. Wolfgang Puck, right. anything. It's, it's really fun. We just thought you might let, enjoy it. And uh, thank you so much for watching this episode of Tesla Time News. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. Now you know.